Hello and welcome to BTN's Take 10 Podcast. This is Alex from BTN.com, and this is episode three, the finale of 2018 BTN Bus Tour edition of the Take 10 Podcast, where we wrap up all the interviews that we collected on the BTN Bus Tour. Uh, we have episodes one and two that came out in the last couple weeks, where we, on episode one, moved through the Eastern Division of the Big Ten and talked to four players. Episode two, we had some crossover and talked to a couple of Eastern players and then a couple on the West as well. It's another four interviews. And then we'll wrap it up on this episode with five interviews to close it out and get us officially moving into football season, which starts here on Thursday this week with Northwestern and Purdue. So to kind of put a cap on the off season and a cap on another great BTN bus tour, which was really a lot of fun talking to 13 players and getting to know them and, and their backgrounds and telling those stories and to you the listener here on the take 10 podcast so like i said we'll get into five interviews here on the show and we started off in nebraska with linebacker muhammad berry after that we move along to iowa city and talk to defensive lineman parker hesse followed by justice williams a wide receiver at illinois who was converted from linebacker and after we talked to justice williams in illinois we hopped in over to purdue Talked to DJ Knox for the second consecutive year on the Take 10 podcast on the bus tour and caught up with DJ. Then we wrapped it up with an interview with Tommy Doles, a lineman at Northwestern, who's a really enlightening conversation, closed out the bus tour in style. Before we get into those five interviews, subscribe to the show if you haven't already. You can do so on iTunes, Google Play, Podbean. We're now on YouTube as well. So if you're listening on SoundCloud right now, hop on over to one of those platforms and subscribe so you don't miss a future episode of the Take 10 Podcast. And you can also check out episodes one and two of the 2018 BTN Bus Tour on uh, any of those platforms as well. So without further ado, let's kick it over to Lincoln, Nebraska for our first interview out of five. Talk to, as I mentioned at the top, Husker linebacker Muhammad Berry. That interview with Muhammad starts right now. Please be joined here in uh, Lincoln, Nebraska, following Husker football practice by junior linebacker Muhammad Barry. Mo, thanks for joining me, man. Uh, I'm um, thankful to, to be here. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, glad to be here with you as well. Uh, it's good to be here, you know, to kind of see what all the hype's about. Yeah. Up close, uh, we can feel it, you know, all the way over in Chicago with the, the change of leadership here. But just tell me right off the bat here, what's it been like on the ground, just with Scott Frost in charge now, the energy around here. I mean, he just he he brings uh, expectation to this program. Uh, I think when you have a figure like him who has uh, accomplished many things, he have he's won um, championships for this program, has uh, done so much for this program, and he comes back here, and uh, he expects you to do the same, and he did it here, so he knows how. You know, what it takes and um, how uh, it was done when they um, did it back in the 90s. And it just, you know that you feel comfortable and you know that he knows what he's doing and uh, his leadership you just follow. Yeah, and we'll uh, definitely get more into some Huskers football specific talk in a little bit here. But uh, you were suggested as a guest to me for this podcast uh, because you got you know a, a unique background and um, I want to get into that a little bit. So if you could take me through you know where you grew up and how uh football became a big part of your life uh just take it from the jump from the beginning for me well i'm from um i'm from metro atlanta georgia and uh uh i was uh moving all around atlanta and um but when i was born uh 
at like age uh, two, my mom uh, took me to uh, Africa, and I stayed there um, to to kindergarten or so. And um, that was the biggest part. I lived with my grandma there. She wanted to make sure I knew my culture and knew my language, uh, religion, all that. And uh, when I came into the States, uh, English, I didn't even know English. So I uh, had to learn English, was in ESOL classes and stuff like that. And um, uh, started playing football in the fifth grade and uh, fell in love with the game. Uh, my favorite players at that time was Tom Brady, uh, Michael Vick, Terrell Owens. Um, and, you know, from there on, uh, I played at, played at South Gwinnett my freshman year in high school. Then uh, transferred to um, Grayson, playing the Grayson Powerhouse, um, which right now I think they're the number four team in the nation for high school football. But played over there under Mickey Kahn uh, and, uh, you know, Robert Kendichi, who's now with Arizona, mm -hmm. number one draft pick. Uh, and, you know, uh, it brought me here to Nebraska. Yeah, and, and, you know, you weren't someone who, like, picked up the game later in life and just, you know, were a natural for it. You obsessed. You were, like, a gym rat for football, right, coming mm -hmm. up? Oh, yeah. When I was, well, my first, I played in uh, fifth grade. I was tall, lengthy, uh, uh, just not coordinated at all. But I was fast, and I just um, was determined on every play. So my coach put me at defensive end. I would just run off the edge, didn't care about nothing, just went to get the ball and get sacks. And then when I came back, um, I used to just do a whole bunch of push-ups. I seen like um, players. I would YouTube things, and I see players talk about how much they did push-ups. Uh, Herschel Walker uh, saying how much he did push-ups, sit-ups, and stuff like that. So when I was young, because uh, I didn't have no one to train me, so I just trained myself. And uh, when I came back, sixth grade year, like people thought, like they like I just transformed my body. So to do that at a young age uh, gave me confidence, and uh, I just do that every year. I want to come back the next season like a, a different person. Right, and you mentioned uh, earlier your grandmother and uh, how big of an influence she was in your life, and your mom as well, right? They both uh, kind of brought you up, right? Yeah, um, my, my grandmother and my mother, uh, just strong women in my life. Um, uh, mother who I had to do the load of... Uh, uh, care um, of uh, raising me, uh, raising me as a man, and um, uh, providing for the family, and uh, my grandmother who's been in my life uh, for the first uh, uh, few years that I remember, and that was all by choice, uh, and it, it was just those two women and my big sister, who's right now she's a nurse practitioner, and uh, just all the, um, those three women in my life just. Uh, did so much for me, and um, you know my my grandmother uh, um, passed away May seventh, uh, and you know just knowing that she's a great woman, she gave me all she had, and things like that is real special. And I'm sorry to hear that, but obviously you know she did a great job yeah. bringing you up, like you said. Yeah. Um, so when you were, you mentioned earlier, learning English, and it was, it was you know kind of difficult for you uh, coming back to the United States. Uh, I, I saw in an article in the Omaha World Herald that. One of your, you know, you taught yourself to read, and, and one of your favorite books was Prisoner of Azkaban. Harry yeah, Potter, you're a Harry yeah. Potter fan. Yeah, I used to be a Harry, <laughs> Harry Potter fan, Harry Potter, Lord of the Rings, stuff like that. Uh, you know, I used to dream a lot and fantasize a lot, so I just like things like that. Uh, and then uh, Matt Christopher books too were my favorite. I read those growing up. The Matt Christopher, yeah, you Matt know, Christopher. They, I couldn't, I couldn't get enough of those. I love that football nightmare stuff like that. There you go. All right, so. We'll move uh, along a little forward, a little 
farther in your life now. Mm-hmm. Uh, growing up in Georgia, like you mentioned, what brought you all the way here to Nebraska? Uh, how did that recruiting process play out, and why'd you pick here? Well, um, my recruiting process uh, was different, quite different, because I had factors of uh, eligibility and uh, things like that that um, took away from some of the offers uh, that I had, um, you know, coaches dropping offers and stuff. Initially, I was um, committed to Wisconsin and uh, was determined to go there because that was one of my dream schools when I uh, picked out schools when I was younger. I always said uh, I wanted Miami. Uh, Florida, uh, Georgia, and uh, Wisconsin for some reason. And um, that was one of my dream schools, so I wanted to go there. Um, and uh, it just didn't work out. Uh, they didn't give me the chance. They thought it was a academic uh, liability, as they stated in the newspaper. Uh, so they just uh, so that didn't happen. And um, then I got the call from Nebraska. And Miami was recruiting me hard, and then uh, Kansas State, and um, my my friends Duke Shelley, who played at uh, who playing right now at a cornerback at Kansas State, Isaiah Zubru, starting wide receiver for Kansas State. Uh, I was um, uh, close with them, so I just committed there with them, and then but I didn't really I wasn't feeling it at the end, so uh, it was between Nebraska and Miami and uh, the biggest thing was Coach Bray's uh, consistency when he was recruiting me he was never um, you know high one day low another day he was consistent and he was uh, uh, relentless in recruiting me and my mother um, liked him she didn't even see Nebraska but she just knew it was a better place than you know uh, Miami for me and uh, we just went with uh, Nebraska and then and you mentioned uh the you know process with Wisconsin the way the way you mentioned it it seems like you know you still carry that with you do, do you have a chip on your shoulder to this day about that oh yeah I just it, it's just that you could tell you could say a kid is an academic liability before he becomes in college it's just it's just mind-blowing I took that to heart so now you know I'm two-time academic all-conference and uh, freshman year, I had a 3-6. Uh, so stuff like that, that. I wanted that to not even be a factor in my college life because I let that be. I chose to um, let that be in my high school year. So it, it, I do uh, look at that school, and I do remember that. So, yeah. So now that you know Coach Frost is here, things are looking up, but there's definitely been some struggles in the program during your time here. What would you say your biggest uh, challenge here personally has been for you uh you've had to overcome here uh personally just uh understanding how patients work and um just understanding uh the day-by-day process uh people uh, preach about the process and day by day and um and patience but they really don't understand it until it's really uh until they really have to be patient and have to be uh have to look at it as a day-by-day thing so it's just um uh being in that situation uh, where i had to be patient and uh had to you know focus day by day on the task at hand play by play and just the things i do that's in front of me and, and being and living in the moment and stuff like that and that's that's the biggest thing. I think the most helpful thing that I would take from um, my feet or my past few years. Yeah. Yeah. You, you mentioned that patience, and now people are looking to you to you know have a larger role mm-hmm. uh, in that linebacking core this year. How do you see yourself fitting into this new defense? 
Uh, I, I see myself as uh, I'm an effort guy. I love the game, and uh, I'm gonna give it all for my teammates and this program, and uh, for my family and uh, uh, for God. So uh, it's just you know my love for the game will uh, fuel my effort. So I will always be effort guy. Uh, just communication, uh, being communicating out there, uh, flying to the football, uh, like coach say, uh, no fear of failure, a desire to uh, play with desire to um, to uh, excel, no fear of failure. So it's just uh, stuff like that. Like I feel like could bring a lot to this defense. I feel like my teammates under, I mean, know that too. So it's just us getting our chemistry down, which we have been, and just can't wait to for the first game. Yeah, so Scott Frost arrives, you know, everyone sings his praises, like, you won't hear a bad word about the guy, but I want to get a little more unique perspective from you mm-hmm. as a linebacker. You know, he's a former quarterback, but he also was a former safety mm-hmm. uh, in the NFL. Um, so do you see, like, when he coaches and his coaching style is switched at flips, does he go, like, from an offensive coach to a defensive coach, or is it all kind of on at one at, at the same time? How do you see that from your perspective as a as a linebacker? I just think he's a real masculine man. You mm. know what I mean? I just in everything he does is tough. Is it, it reminds me of my high school coach Mickey Calm, who's right now he's with Clemson uh, coaching. But just that tough mentality that you can you could tell that you know. He once was scout team for the black shirts with Grant Wisdom and all that. You could tell that he was he's been molded by Coach uh, Tom, um, uh, Coach uh, Osborne. So it's just you just he's very masculine. Real, it's encouraging. So you understand you that's your head coach, and you have to play like that, like how he coaches you and how he approaches you. He don't want to see you make a play and. It's just a routine thing. He want to see the passion. He want to see the love for it, and he want to see hustle, effort, passion, and just, just you know, black shirt football and stuff like that. So he preaches that on offense and defense. But um, it's just, I think everyone is just, uh, I think they respect how masculine he is and macho and how he wants us to bring it every day. And uh, you just have to have that intensity in your own life and how you play the game. Yeah, people can't see it, but, you know, your eyes lit open. You were talking about him. You know, that's yeah. that's kind of what I think everyone is excited to see out of Coach Frost is the passion he brings out of you guys. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, Mo, we'll wrap it up uh, with a question about this upcoming year. Um, because, you know, on one hand, kind of people preach that, Maybe in the media or whoever preaches that you know Rome wasn't built in a day. Yeah. Uh, you guys were four and eight last year, so maybe in year one uh, there's some patience to be preached. But mm-hmm. then again, you see how quickly he turned things around at Central Florida. Mm-hmm. So, what do you think reasonable expectations are for you guys in year one under Scott Frost? Well, I mean, everywhere is different. You know, uh, Miami with um, with a uh, with coach uh, that they got from Georgia. What's his name? Uh, it sounds uh, like my time. Um, uh, my uh, Rick. Rick's, yeah. Rick. Yeah. Mark Rick, so they they change around in a year. So, um, but over here, our expectation is all up to us. And at the end of the day, Coach Frost, great coach. Uh, this is a different staff, and they bring a lot of great things for us. But it's up to us, the players that play the game, and that that determines how the season's going to go. So, I think I think the uh, real to be realistic is we just have to uh, take game by game, and but I think. The biggest thing is having an explosive offense, which I think we will have this year. 
you know, a defense that uh, is something not to mess with, you know what I mean? Uh, a defense that opposes his will, no matter if it's if it's uh, bending or not. Uh, but when we never break and another team that gives max effort, and that's what you will see. We will give max effort, and we will uh, we, we will never break even when we're bending. And that's the most important thing for this year. Right. The number is going to take care of itself. All right, well said, Mo. appreciate you sitting down with me. Uh, excited to see you know, your emergence as you uh, continue your career here at Nebraska. And thanks for joining me, man. Yep. Appreciate you. All right, thanks once again to Mo Berry for joining me. And it was really interesting, you know, just getting to know him and his background and hearing about his growth as a Husker. And he figures to be a key piece going forward for that linebacking course. So best of luck to him going forward. Now we'll toss it over to Iowa City and Parker Hesse. We get into his high school transformation from a quarterback to a college defensive lineman, which is certainly very interesting. And we talk about his Iowa um, career and path and all that good stuff. So... I'll stop talking about the interview and get into the actual discussion. It's Take 10's discussion with Parker Hesse. All right, so I'm very pleased to be joined in Iowa City uh, following Iowa's practice, uh, a rainy Iowa practice by Hawkeye senior defensive end, Parker Hesse. Parker, what's up, man? How's, how's it going? Going good today. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. And you guys just uh, wrapped up a uh, really wet, soggy practice outside. Um, just as out of curiosity, do you like practices like that? Is, it, is that fun to change it up a little bit? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, as a defensive lineman, that's ideal. It's not as hot. Um, maybe if you ask guys handling the ball, I'm sure they have a different opinion, but I certainly enjoy playing in the rain. Yeah, and, uh, you know, I wonder if Coach Ferentz maybe had you guys do that just to get ready for the elements because we, you have this beautiful indoor facility, but uh, he chose to go outside, so I, I assume he wanted to maybe prepare you for what you might see down the road. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, football's played in all sorts of conditions, so uh, <laughs> that's how we practice too. And uh, you mentioned when we were walking in here that class starts today for a lot of your, your teammates. Luckily for you, uh, you got kind of a lighter load. So as a, as a grad student, take me through what your academic responsibilities are um, You know, as you kind of go in your final lap here on campus. Yeah, I mean, this uh, this semester I'm lucky I got kind of a lighter load, as you mentioned. So class is Tuesday, Thursday, uh, pretty much all day Thursday. But, you know, that uh, provides a lot of free time, you know, recovery work, hanging out at the house, and, you know, getting ready to come back for meetings and stuff. For sure. And I assume at this point you're kind of ready for the season to get here, you know, training camp. It's always a grind no matter uh, no matter who you are. So you ready to get, uh, get rolling here with uh, season starting in a couple weeks? Absolutely, yeah. We've been looking forward to it. You know, games since since last season ended, so, you know, we're getting close here. We're getting really excited. For sure. And uh, we'll talk about the upcoming season in just a moment here, but first I want to get into your background a little bit because uh, you, you definitely have a unique background as a defensive end. You actually came up as uh, a quarterback in high school, and I just thought that uh, juxtaposition is hilarious because, you know, it, you were the one getting sacked probably in high school, and now you're the one sacking guys, sacking quarterbacks. So how did this transition come about? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, well, I was lucky enough uh, – come from a smaller school so I played both ways in high school I was able so I played defense some too but yeah playing quarterback is a lot of fun getting to touch the ball every play and you know I think it's really helped me you know as a football player no matter where I am just because it kind of gives you a, an understanding and overview of the game as a whole but yeah if you if you'd watch me I, I kind of played quarterback like a defense event <laughs> I was carrying it more than I was slinging it so how much lighter are you now or were you then than you are now I think my senior year of high school I was probably like 210 what do you got so now? Two sixty now. Okay, so still, still a pretty big guy for a quarterback, <laughs> yeah. especially. 
a small town. Uh, are you glad to be kind of on the other end of the uh, the sack and the quarterback relationship now? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, those guys, they got a lot of pressure. They got a lot of things that they have to worry about. Uh, defensive end, you know, playing D-line is you know, one of the most fun positions. Put your hand in the dirt um, you know, and get after it every play. So, you know, that's something that I certainly enjoy that, you know, that kind of transition. For sure. Um, I want to get into your, your path to Iowa City a little bit. You're an Iowa kid. Um, so how did the Hawkeyes take interest in you, and why did you end up choosing them over some of your other suitors that you had, especially in state here? Yeah, um, you know, I wasn't being too heavily recruited up until right before my senior season. I came to camp here, um, had a pretty good camp, and then after that there's a lot of interest, but I still didn't get an offer until the end of the season. They're, they're kind of waiting to confirm um, just how my senior season went. But once I got the offer, obviously super excited growing up in eastern Iowa, you know, being a huge Hawks fan my whole life. It was kind of a dream come true. So, you know, from there on there really wasn't, you know, too many other options. Uh, yeah, I mean, that was, I knew right away, you know, that was the place for me as a home run. For sure. And, uh, you know, you get here, you red shirt, and then your first season on the field, that's the season you guys go 12-0, right, and go to the yeah. Rose Bowl. I mean, that's not a bad way to start your career at all. No, absolutely, yeah. Just showing up and, uh, you know, we do that. It's like, wow, this is, this is easy. But, um, yeah, that was a great experience. The senior class we had, you know, their leadership and their dedication to, to really impacting the program in a positive way was something that, you know, I feel has, has positively in, impacted me as a, an individual and how, you know, the rest of my career has gone. What would you say your favorite memory from that uh, that run, that season was, looking back? Uh, you know, there's a lot of them. You know, we had the last second field goal over Pitt to win, uh, I think, our third game of the year. Obviously, Nebraska was fun, you know, going 12-0. and But I think uh, when we clinched the West in Week 11, against Purdue, it was like a snowy game, you know, there's like five, a couple inches of snow on the field, and just, you know, it was senior day, and being able to do it for them, for all the, you know, the work that they put in, clinched the West, and clinched an opportunity to win the Big Ten title was something I'll remember. For sure, um, and all of a sudden, you know, you're about to be a senior, redshirt senior, has it gone by quickly for you, or, or you know, were you able to kind of take in each year um, for what it was? Uh, it's gone extremely fast, and, you know, it seems like every year it goes faster and faster. Uh, you know, you're a young player, you're trying to prove yourself, and you think, you know, you know, it's always an uphill battle, or I, you know, I got time, and, and honestly, you don't. Like, it just goes by so fast, and, you know, you just just want to cherish the time you got to be able to do this and, you know, really make the most of this opportunity. Do you have any favorite memories, maybe off the field? You know, just being a student here in Iowa City, we, we know, uh, you know, it's a school where people like to have fun, and it's a, it's a very easy town to, you know, have a good time. Do you have any experience with your teammates or, uh, or, Anything off the field that really stands out when you look back? I mean, I've always uh, been fortunate. I've lived with my teammates. I hung out with a lot of my teammates away from the building. And I say that's, you know, what makes the most fun. You know, whether we're here at the facility, you know, meet and lift and stuff like that, or, you know, back at our houses and playing cards, watching TV, just laughing, joking. You know, that's the stuff that's really made my college, you know, college football experience really special is the people I've met and, the, you know, the times I've got to spend with them. Who are the guys you lived with? Uh, Sam Brinks, Anthony Nelson, and John Milani. Uh, I've lived with a couple other guys. You know, Riley McCarron graduated. Uh, you know, Brandon Bishop, other guys on the team. Jake Hewlett. But you know, uh, you know, just all of them. And, and I think you know, I've all, you know been fortunate to be close friends with a lot of guys on the team that you know we spend time away from the building, and you know, that, that's what we like to do. Is it like a football house or is it an apartment? What's the situation? It's a house, but it, I mean, it wasn't. You know, we moved there my first year. We moved off campus. Okay. But you know, hopefully, you know, maybe we'll start a little legacy, pass it down to younger guys. I'm sure you guys keep it, you know, super clean, right? Absolutely, that. yeah. <laughs>
All right. Uh, so we'll talk a little bit about football now before we wrap up, Parker. Uh, you know, when the media and, and a lot of uh, experts talk about the, the Big Ten West, um, first team that comes to mind is Wisconsin. Mm-hmm. Uh, you guys are the only team to really unseat Wisconsin for that trip to Indy these last four years. Uh, why do you believe that you guys can do it again this year? Yeah, I mean, you know, absolutely. Wisconsin, you know, they deserve the credit they get. Um, you know, they're an extremely physical team, and, and they do things the right way, and you have to respect that. But, you know, I think, you know, the way we've been preparing this year and, you know, the confidence we have in our guys and, you know, the, you know we're going to show up each and every week. Um, you know, there's no one, you know, that we're uh, – you know, we feel inferior to, or, or we're worried about that we got to play out without or outside of our boundaries. So, you know, we're going to show up. We're going to treat that week just like every other, um, and we're going to come in. You know, give them our best shot. All right, Parker. So we will uh, wrap up now with some lighter questions. You know, just kind of rapid fire, and uh, hopefully have some fun with it. Um, first off, you know, linemen are kind of an interesting bunch, and I feel like they have more like rituals and weird like things off the field than, than most other groups. So does your D-line have any sort of, uh, you know, rituals or, or things like pregame, anything like that as a unit that you guys do? Um, maybe off the field, the defensive line, we've bought a camper. We bought a 1976 RV camper. So that's something sometimes off the field, you know, we'll take it around. Isn't there a name for it? I've heard of this. Yeah, we've, we call it the rat trap. That's it, yeah. Because uh, Coach Morgan, you know, he's, he's told this story, so we refer to ourselves as the sewer rats in the D-line, so we call it the rat trap. That's pretty good. Any uh, <laughs> interesting stories from the rat trap that uh, are safe for the podcast? Uh, I mean, yeah, like I said, it's, the, the fun thing about it is it makes the drive to wherever we're going much more enjoyable. Mm-hmm. You know, we consider it sit and laugh and joke with each other, uh, you know, not be – squeezed in you know d-line some big body guys so we like to have some space um so one thing i noticed walking around uh kinnick stadium earlier today and and one thing i know that's been a big deal is uh the tiger hawk on the uh on the water tower um tell me why that's a big deal and kind of how that came about because i I know a lot of people are excited about that yeah the fan base is super excited you know we finally got the tiger hawk uh the water tower's been there for as long as i can remember obviously i mean it's even on you go back and play with old NCAA games. It's got the water tower there in the background of Kinnick. So, you know, that's something I think the fans have always asked, you know, why don't we get a Tiger Hawk up there? If you can see it from Kinnick, you might as well decorate it. So, you know, obviously everybody's pleased we finally got one up. Yeah. Uh, it's been funny to me on social media, just like the reaction to it. It's, I've really enjoyed uh, seeing the, the local reaction here. Um, all right, so... This one, you know, might be a loaded question, but which rival do you enjoy beating more, uh, Iowa State or Nebraska? Uh, that's a that's a tough call. I, think, I mean, we take all of our trophy games really seriously. Um, you know, growing up in the state of Iowa, you know, maybe you know, in my hometown, there's a little more. You know, I'll run into what the outcome of that game more, mm-hmm. but you know. Meeting guys on the team from Nebraska, that's something, you know, we definitely just talk trash about where each other is from all the time. So, you know, that's a game that, you know, we know they're going to take serious, and I think it's, uh, you know, becoming a, a really good rivalry. It's a veteran answer, very diplomatic. You know, you've been doing the, doing the media circuit long enough, and you know how to answer uh, All right, so I read an article about you uh, getting ready for this interview in the Cedar Rapids Gazette by Mark Morehouse, an anecdote that I really got a kick out of. Um, it said you cried when the Packers drafted Aaron Rodgers because you wanted them to draft an offensive lineman instead. Like, that's just got to be an all-time, like, old takes yeah, exposed type thing. That is, uh, that's a true true statement. I was a huge Packers, still am a huge Packers fan. I was, you know, really in tune with the team, but, you know, I did, didn't really have the future 
whole grasp of the future building aspect at that point. We had Brett Favre, loved him, always idolized Brett Favre, and I thought, you know, we need an offensive lineman or a safety. That's the you know the holes we needed to win the Super Bowl the next year, and we took Aaron Rodgers, and I broke down crying. I think I was like eight years old. Uh, turns out, uh, great decision. Obviously, I'm a huge Aaron Rodgers fan now, so uh, glad they did it. Yeah, and that's the thing about Aaron Rodgers. It's like, I'm a Bears fan, and, you know, I tried to hate him when I was, like, you know, coming up, growing up, and he's just beating me down. Like, I can't even hate the guy. Like, he's an awesome guy off the field, like, amazing quarterback, like, just mm-hmm. does things that are impossible outside of, like, him and a couple other people. Right. So, uh, I, I can't I can't even hate Aaron Rodgers anymore. And, and I saw you're a, a Brewers fan, too. Is that right? Also a Brewers fan, yeah. All right, so I'm going to need... Uh, the Brewers to stay a little bit in the rearview mirror. They're getting a little too close to my Cubs, you know. So uh, hopefully you guys can can let off the gas a little bit. Well, uh, we've been trying to let off the gas <laughs> the last few last few months here. So <laughs> I will say I prefer the Brewers over the Cardinals. So take care of the Cardinals That's, for us. I'll I'll, t- I'll do that. I can agree with that. <laughs> All right. So we'll end there, Parker. Really appreciate your time. Um, best of luck this season, and thanks for joining me. Yeah, no problem. Thanks for having me. Yep. All right. Thanks once again to Parker for joining me. And we'll keep moving along here on the Take 10 Podcast to Champaign, Illinois. We talked to Illinois wide receiver, newly converted wide receiver, Justice Williams. He changed positions from linebacker to wide receiver, which is obviously a move you don't see all that often in football. So we got into that uh, that transition and his background and had a fun discuss- discussion with Mr. Williams. So we'll get right into that. It's Take 10's chat with Illinois wide receiver, Justice Williams, and it starts right now. All right, I'm uh, very pleased to be joined here in Champaign, Illinois, following Fighting Line of Football Practice by Illinois junior wide receiver Justice Williams. Justice, what's up, man? Thanks for joining me. Oh, it's a pleasure being here. Absolutely, and uh, you know, I introduced you there as a wide receiver, but that's like kind of a new moniker for you. You know, you're an upperclassman, but you haven't officially been a wide receiver until this year because you switched from linebacker. So you still getting used to that, you know, that designation as a wide receiver here? Right. Yeah, it's definitely a. Uh... A big switch. I remember uh, always going home, and all my friends used to tell me, "Man, you're looking a little beefy." Because I was always trying to be kind of a bulkier linebacker. And now it's like every time they see me, I'm really slimmed out now. Even around people here, it's still kind of weird now. Even sitting on different sides of meeting rooms and whatnot. But uh, it's definitely a change. I've really enjoyed so far. Yeah. So tell me, like, how did the switch come about? Because from what I've heard, it kind of started as one of these like joking things. You know how you you always see it like in when inside the huddle type stuff. Like guys are like, "Come on, coach, let me get a, a rep in or whatever." So. Is that kind of how it started, and then how did it become a, a serious uh, switch for you? Yeah, that's pretty much how it was. So uh, one of the guys, he uh, we used to play here, Jeff George. He's uh, currently in Michigan. But me, him, him and I used to always joke around, and I used to always tell him, man, Jeff, you know, if I go play some receiver, like, it's going down. And I'm not really sure what happened, but uh, I remember I was sitting in one of our academic counselor's offices, and I got a text from Coach Nickerson asking me if I could go play a little scout team receiver this week because it was an all-nickel week for us, and I was the Sam. So when nickel happens, Sam comes out, nickel goes in. So I was pretty much scheduled to play minimal note reps. He goes, hey, we need some receiver help on the offense. Can go help out a little bit. And I remember our defensive line GA, Joe Foe, too, he was hyping me up all week and had a couple good practices. And the next thing I know, went up to Coach Smith's office, said it, and he was like, you know what, actually, we might actually need a receiver called him over Christmas break and it was a thing did you make like was there anything in practice where you know you kind of opened some eyes a little bit where people were like okay like this dude's serious about it it, it was a kind of a jump ball it was a fade and uh they threw it up and then I, I got it one hand and that's that's kind of okay kind of when the noise started you had, it was, it was you cool the, you Odell'd it then oh definitely Odell'd it okay. wasn't as cool as that one but yeah it could be up there all right 
soon enough though you'll you know you'll be snatching them out of the air with one, one hand <laughs> that's the plan um so yeah like you know just schematically what goes into learning a new position like especially one you know as wide receiver you got to be so precise with everything with your routes what goes into that transition my biggest thing it's gonna it sounds really dumb but it was, it's stopping at linebacker um don't get me wrong you have to be athlete, you have to be really athletic really physical you have to do a lot of things but just play receiver it's a big bigger different switch i'm running a whole lot more now i have to be able to read coverage instead of playing them, which personally I think is harder. And then, like I said before, my biggest thing that I know I had problems with was learning how to stop it, whether that's a curl, a comeback, a hitch, whatever it is, throwing my weight down and working on coming back to the ball is something I've struggled with for a little bit. All right, well, you know, you're not the only new guy to this offense. Rod Smith, the offensive coordinator, uh, has actually been around this offense for less time than you have. So, like, does it help to at least kind of start on that ground floor with him as he's uh, getting into his first year here? In oh, I, absolutely. I remember actually when the switch happened and I realized that we were going to have a new OC. That was one thing that I was excited about that um, we were all essentially at a level playing field. We had a new OC, so he had no prior uh, – what's the word I'm looking for? Prior knowledge of what anyone has done. He just had a little bit of film he looked at. Everyone had to learn from scratch, learn from uh, – ground zero so going in that ways I felt like I was a playing ground with everyone and then from that point on it was just you know playing football so what has he kind of brought to this this place because you know being out there he was getting on guys like it seems like he was demanding a lot out of you guys like not in a bad way but it seems like uh there's been a lot of buzz surrounding what he's bringing to champagne so from your perspective what has he brought to this program yeah I'm not sure what the other OC was like because obviously I was on defense mm-hmm. but just from looking at coach Smith I can just tell that uh he he demands greatness. Like he always wants us to be the best. Whether that's in a walkthrough, that's not really a walkthrough. He always wants you moving a little fast. He wants you being precise. He doesn't want you doing anything like a day is cold. He doesn't want you to develop any kind of bad habits. So he's always precise when things we do. And I think that in the long run is really going to help us out. For sure. Um, all right, we're going to transition a little bit into your background. You know, most of these guys I bring on, I try to get into their backgrounds a little bit, uh, their roots. And you're a Texas guy, just like uh, just like. Our head coach, your oh, head yeah. coach, Lovey Smith, best, right? best country in the world, right? <laughs> there you go. I've actually that's a, that's a good one. Never heard that. But, uh, um, so tell me about growing up in Texas. Uh, like, I'm sure football is king down there, and and what's it like growing up? And then how does a, a school like Illinois enter into your decision making process? Uh, growing up in Texas, it's uh, football wise. It personally, I think it believes all the hype. Football is, like I said in the movie, it's like a religion in Texas. It's it's a to say the least, a big deal. So growing up, being able to play in big stadiums in front of in front of big crowds and always having the pressure of, man, Friday Night Lights, all this and all that, all the movies that have been staged in Texas football. So then coming here and then people ask me, like, wow, Friday Nights was, like, really a thing? I'm like, yeah, man, like, mm-hmm. it's, it's a big deal in Texas. And then uh, coming here, all, for me, the biggest change was actually playing cold football games, which, again, sounds kind of dumb, but it was something that took a little adjusting to. But, uh, I mean, college football-wise, playing in the Big Ten up here, whether you're in the South playing in the Big 12 or up here playing in the Big Ten, it's still great football. So how did Illinois get on your radar then, uh, growing up down there? Um, I remember I made my highlight tape on a Monday, and it was Alex Golish was here. He's now at right. Iowa State. Yep. He gave me a call and offered me on a Wednesday, and they were my first offer. So I think them being my first offer, they just had a spot in my heart, and then here I am now. Awesome. Um, in your in your bio, it said you uh, won an AAU basketball national title back in the day. Is that, oh, is back that right? in the day, I was a hoopster. Yeah, I was going to say, you're a hooper back then? <laughs> you're, you're kind of a big dude, so I can see it. Yeah, I was, I'm not going to say I was like LeBron James out there, but you know, I was that guy. I'd play, D, I'd guard the uh, other team's best player, get a rebound, okay. make some layups. 
had a decent little baseline jumper, but that was all I was good for. Oh, our team was stacked. So if you're over at the arc across the street here, could you throw down if you if you had to? I'd throw down if I needed to. I tried to I tried to embarrass Adam Solomon once, but it was kind of a joke. But it almost happened. <laughs> all right, well, get it. Do it for the gram. You know, Absolutely, do it for the gram, baby. Um, also, uh, I saw your your brother. Uh, Plays DB for uh, Southern Miss or played? Yeah, he just graduated. Okay. Uh, what? He's been done for about six months now. So, you know, that's kind of an interesting dynamic. You know, you had a defensive back and then you're the wide receiver. How does that how does that work out? He thinks <laughs> he thinks he can cover me. I'm not sure what's going on in his head. I hope he hears this, but no, I'd, I'd route him up. I was going to say, no you shot. guys ever like go out and run some routes or anything like that? He tries to now, but no, he's a retired vet, so he says, oh, okay. if I route him up now, if I go get something on his head, it's, oh man, you still play, I don't anymore. You'd burn I, him though, you think? Oh, absolutely, wouldn't be close. All right, well, hopefully he, uh, he does hear this. <laughs> you, guys, you guys can settle at Thanksgiving. Um, all right, so, you know, now that you're at Illinois, um, are you, I saw your college business student is that right yeah i actually just finished my undergrad awesome so i finished what about a year early so in the fall i'll start my uh grad school and what are you getting a graduate degree in master of science and business administration okay. so it's also still in the business so school. what's this career path you're, you're kind of trying to take a business school at illinois it's very prestigious so yeah uh, yeah so eventually i'd like to have my own business that okay. goes around to uh underdeveloped and developing countries and helps them uh what's called learn to live sustainably Okay, and how have you, I guess, kind of you know crafted that dream here? Have you, is there any experience kind of um, you know led to that goal for you, or, or how, was, how did how did that come about? It was kind of getting away from home, and then the first few times uh, I've like actually traveled out to country. I took a trip with a group called Vesa. Okay. I went to Fiji, and I was able to do a homestay with a family, and then we helped out with school, hung out with kids for a week, and the next week we were just hanging out in Fiji, and that experience really opened my eyes and made me realize that's that's something I want to do. That's that's awesome, dude. Um, What's the workload been like, I guess, being in the college of business, balancing that as a student athlete? Uh, it's it's definitely something to think about. I mean, to sit down at night and to actually like have time to do homework, have the tutors, have everything I need is a big deal. So mm-hmm. it's something that uh, t- definitely takes a lot of balance. But with all the help that we have, the resources in front of us, it's 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 manageable. For sure. All right. Uh, shifting gears a little bit, you know, in the last year or so, this whole – Liddyville phenomenon has, has sprung up. Liddyville, Liddyville. We're sitting in Liddyville right now. For those who don't know, you know, it's kind of become a, a viral hashtag. It's it's been what Champagne is designated as to recruits and players, and you know, it's got its own merchandise line. So, so, kind of explain how this came about, what this phenomenon means to those who. Uh, might not be acquainted with, with the concept here. Liddyville is really just a thing. It's like get excited about what's happening here. Really get happy about it and. If I'm correct, I think they started a meeting one day with Coach Ward and the guys were in there, and I think one of them jokingly said, man, it's Liddyville here. And then the next thing you know, Coach Ward and them had a hat, and then there were shirts in the bookstore, mm-hmm. and now everywhere I go out, some kid somewhere is wearing a Liddyville t-shirt, kid on Twitter is tweeting hashtag Liddyville, so... Clearly, Coach Warren, all those guys did their job. It's really getting the people excited. It's crazy that stuff like takes off nowadays, social media and all that, and now it's like a, a recruiting tool. It's hilarious. Um... All right, we're going to wrap up here, Justice. A couple more questions. Um, so I was doing some research on you for this interview, and in the News Gazette, former workplace, shout out, um, <laughs> so you said your favorite places to go are pizza places in Champaign, but you don't like New York or Chicago. Yeah, that, my handwriting is really up. Like, just It's unfortunate how bad I write. I meant to say I hate deep dish, and I like New York oh, style. Okay. I was going to say, like, what kind of pizza? Like, you, you gotta yeah, because I, I read that. I was like, no, that means I pretty much don't like pizza. Right. I was no, gonna, that's what I was going to say. What falls into those categories? I'm a huge New York style fan, not okay. a huge fan of the thick 
cheese and the sauce not on top Del's of the pizza. No, absolutely, absolutely not. Okay. Um, any other pizza spots in Champagne? Like, I. Antonio's was here for a my while. My favorite spot then, was Antonio's, yeah. and when it and then when it closed, well, I think Cracks there. Now I refuse to go to Cracks. R.I.P. Antonio's. I heard Cracks fantastic, so I think I might be missing out, but I'm not giving in. You can just go to the Crack truck. They still got a truck. Absolutely. Right, so do right. that. Any other uh, pizza spots that you enjoy here? Um, Vinny's is alright. I went to Vinny's the other day. Vinny's isn't think, too bad. I think Vinny's is like the same owner as Antonio's or something is like it? that. I think so. it may, may have been why. Yeah, 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 yeah it just similar. opened down the street. Yeah. Awesome. All right, so uh, we'll wrap up with one final football question, Justice. Uh, what does a step forward for Illinois look like in 2018? You know, is building this thing from the ground up. A lot of youth last year. You're one of the upperclassmen on this team. So how does this program continue to move forward in the right direction? We just got to keep uh, believing our coaches and believing in us. You can t- even tell this year that uh, our trust and our faith and our belief in each other has gone up a notch. Uh, the younger guys that were young freshmen last year have now had the experience that we need, so they're playing like upperclassmen. They're playing like their experience vets, which we need. So this year, is, I, I think we're going to take leaps and bounds from what we did last year. I'm really excited for what the future holds for us. All right, man. Well, you guys look good out there. Uh, excited for what's to come. Appreciate you sitting down with me today, and, and best of luck going forward. Oh, appreciate it. Thank you. Yep. All right. Thanks once again to Justice Williams for joining me. And so we've got a couple more interviews to get to. We'll keep it moving. And we'll head on over to West Lafayette, Indiana, where I spoke once again, actually, with Purdue running back DJ Knox. DJ is the only recurring guest that we've done on the bus tour. Talked to him last year in the 2017 tour and caught up with him once again for this year's episode. And it was kind of cool to talk to him about his progression from a year ago, kind of overcoming some uncertainty that that we talked about, how that Purdue program has turned around. And uh, it's kind of nice to have a follow-up with one of the players because I as much as I like meeting new players at each stop you know it, it was cool to see how far DJ's come so we'll get to that right now it's take 10's discussion with Purdue running back DJ Knox all right very pleased to be joined here in uh, West Lafayette Indiana following Purdue Boilermakers practice by senior running back DJ Knox who's also the first BTM bus tour Recurring guest because we had him on last year as well. So DJ, welcome back to the show, man. Oh, thank you. Good to be back. Absolutely, man. Uh, so you came on last year at a time that I'm sure in your life and like in the the state of this program was much more uncertain. You know, you were coming off an ACL injury. Uh, you had a first year head coach last year, so I imagine you're, you're in a little more of a stable spot this year than you were a year ago today. Oh yeah, definitely. Um, you know, com- coming into last year, you know, it was a lot of questions to be answered. A lot of people were wondering, you know. You know, we were going to be, you know, good this year and what th- what changes we were going to make and who was going to play here and there. And, you know, it's good now, you know, after we've, you know, got that head started and got a little momentum going, now it's just building on top of the little things and the little details. So we're in a, a better, a more comfortable spot, so to say. But, you know, we could always do better. We could always build on the things that we've began to start. So, I mean, it's all good now. I have a person for you. You know, you, know, you got a healthy season under your belt uh, coming off that injury. How do you feel knowing that, uh, you know, you can still get out there and still produce? Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, that was one of the that was one of the better and more enlightening things about last season for me. Uh, first and foremost is because, you know, I came back and I honestly felt like that was probably my best season statistically. And, you know, I was a little bit more focused, a little bit more mature. So, you know, some of the things that I seen as I sat out, you know, I began to be more comfortable with these things and I started to incorporate them in my game. And they all started to work for me and things started to get better. So it's just building on the small details more than anything for me now. 
Yeah, and last year when we talked, you know, we talked a little bit about your academics, got into your background. I remember you told me, I think you were a double major and you had a, a sales-related study, right? Yes, uh, yes. Yeah, I imagine that, uh, you know, after last year we kind of had you sell Purdue football to me, I had you give a sales pitch. I imagine this year it's a little easier to sell Purdue football than it was uh, a year ago today, isn't it? Oh, yes, most definitely. You know, especially with the things like, you know, the new facilities and, you know, the, our playbook and things like that. And people starting to notice, you know, because people like the trickery and all mm-hmm. the, the, the playbooks, the throwbacks and all of the, all of the misfits and stuff like that that it creates for defenses. So, you know, it's, it's definitely something that's not hard to sell. And, you know, with our great coaching staff and, you know, strength and uh, training staff and everything, you know, we've done a lot better in the past and now we're just building on those things yeah i'm glad you brought up the uh, the trick plays and the open playbook that your coach jeff brown has because i had to ask you like why does jeff brown like call a football game like like it's the rest of us playing madden man i swear like it's like you know what you do in madden and like you like they would never do that in a real game that's what he does i feel like on the field why does he why does he uh, call a game like that uh i mean you know he's a guy who likes to have fun and just like you said nobody would ever call that in a real game so nobody would ever expect it so i mean it works almost 100 percent of the time so you know he, you know, he keeps he keeps the game, he keeps it live, and he keeps it fun. He makes it more than just work for football. Because you know, once you get to this level, it's more a lot of the X and the O's and doing this and that, that making sure you read keys and this and that. And you know, he kind of messes with those type of things with a defense, and he makes it fun. And it's kind of like backyard football almost at sometimes. So, you know, I kind of like that about his play calling and stuff like that. So, uh, I really, you know, I can't wait till you know we get into the season and we have a lot more for people. I was gonna say, like, why do you think more coaches don't do that? You know, more risks being taken, that kind of fun style of play. Why do you think that Brown's kind of revolutionary in that way? Uh, you know, Coach Brown is a guy who kind of lives on the edge almost. <laughs> I mean, figuratively, I'm speaking. He, you know, kind of <laughs> right. lives on the edge with his, you know, play calling, and you know, he's a very aggressive guy. And, you know, he's not like most play callers who like, uh, I don't know. that if it, if it crosses his mind, we're going with it. Right. And, you know, he has that confidence. And when you see your head coach have that type of confidence and he's calling the plays, you as the as the player, you having the same type of confidence. You're like, okay, he believes it, so I believe it. So, you know, that's that's one thing that I admire about Coach Brown. Definitely. And uh, I guess it's interesting because a year ago, like we've, we've said, it was so different. Just the mentality around the program, you know, not a lot of people on the outside didn't really believe that Purdue football could do what they did last year. So, for me, it was when I saw you guys play Louisville and you pushed Lamar Jackson to them uh, to the edge in Indy and, and you know almost pulled that upset off. That's kind of when I knew things would be different last year for Purdue football. When did you know that things were going to be different as far as the results on the field go? Um, well, you know, in camp, in camp, you know, he he brought a whole new aura to the team. And, you know, we, we started to be a, a, a totally different program. And just like you said with the Louisville game, I feel like that's when it clicked for everybody. At this point, everybody knew, like, okay, we can contend with the best. So, you know, coming off a, coming off a game like that, you know, we had the momentum and everybody started to believe in the system and we knew exactly what we needed to be and guys were more comfortable with, you know, the, the techniques and everything that we needed to do. So, you know, I felt like, at that point, that's when I knew that, you know, we were ready to go. Right. Now we're sitting, you kind of referenced it earlier, in the brand new sparkling uh, Purdue football facility. It's beautiful. It's state of the art. You know, we're in a running back room right now, which is a meeting room <clears throat> just for running backs. And, you know, a lot of schools don't have this type of stuff. So what's your favorite part about this new facility? I know there's probably a lot of uh, amenities for players that you guys like to take advantage of. So give me your favorite thing about this place. Um, I would have to say... 
Uh, this is just so hard to choose one. Uh, you can list a couple things too. Okay, well, I definitely like the the sound system in the locker room now. It's like so nice. Like the speakers are built in, like all around the locker room and the bathrooms, everything. So like, whenever you play a song, it's you know everybody in the locker room gets so hyped because it sounds so good. It feels like you're in a music studio. But I would probably say my favorite is maybe the movie theater room. You know, because sometimes we bring our our game systems in there. And everybody, we have like a tournament. We'll play the game in there. You could go to sleep in there in between classes. And the fridge with snacks is in there. So, I mean, you walk right out, eat something, take a nap. You know, so I definitely say maybe the player's lounge and the and the movie theater. I was saying when we walked in, like, I would never want to go home if I, you know, got to hang out in this place all the time. Oh, yeah. I probably spend maybe double the amount of time here than I do at my actual house. What's the video game of choice in that in that lounge? Uh, either Fortnite or Madden. Dude, Fortnite is sweeping the world pretty much because I swear it's come up almost on every stop. Like, all you guys love Fortnite. I swear. Oh yeah, it's crazy. yeah, yeah. And the crazy thing is, is you know, you can play with your with your friends, and we can play right next to each other, especially with all the TVs in the players' lounge. So that's usually how it happens. Yeah, that's what's up. Um, so obviously this facility is much different than than previous years. How about Ross State Stadium? Um, you guys had some. Great crowds last year. You know, there's kind of some buzz, some energy back in that place. Hadn't been there for a while. I'm just curious, what kind of difference does that make to a player that's out in the field in a game like football, where you know you really do have to, to get up to perform well, and uh, just playing in front of you know those sold out, passionate crowds as opposed to a dead stadium? What kind of difference does that make for someone like you? Uh, I know for me, you know, I'm a guy who feeds off of energy. You know, I, sometimes I'm the guy who starts the energy, but it's a lot easier to get the team going when they get that type of juice behind them. And, you know, once you hear that, that crowd roaring and it, it just gives you chills down your body, and at that point, you know, you, you want to do better and you want to do more. And, you know, bringing that type of juice to the stadium has helped us out tremendously. And I'm pretty sure, you know, because usually other teams used to use it against us, but now coming into our home, we use it against other teams, and as a player for Purdue, you know, I'm really thankful to our fans and our crowd that give us that type of juice, and I just love it. So I heard you guys got a new uh, train horn this year. Have you heard about this? You know, the the train whistle that goes off? Uh-huh. Do you know there's a new one this year? Oh, no, well, I'm just not learning about it now. I heard about it recently, too, and apparently it's, like, way louder than the oh, last yeah, one. Oh, yeah, okay, so. well, it's you know you gotta make that thing go off uh, a few times this year to you know test it out a little bit. Oh yeah, definitely. You know scoring touchdowns and big plays and stuff like that. So I'm definitely geeked to hear it. Absolutely. Uh, another thing that is kind of unique about this season for you, this uh, training camp especially, is the BTN camera crew that's been around um, for the show Golden Black Days, kind of the Hard Knock style documentary series that's being produced around you guys. Uh, what's that been like just as a player? You know, I'm sure it's different from most football experiences you've ever had. What's it like having a camera crew kind of around here in your face in practice <laughs> and following you guys around? Uh, it's, it's actually quite fun. And I'm, I'm glad that we've had the opportunity to do it because, you know, when these guys are around, whenever you're getting taped and things like that, they, they're catching all of the moments that a lot of people don't see. And, you know, all the fun that we have with each other. And you get to see guys like – like some some dudes come out of their shell when when the cameras come on and they you know we hype a dude up be like hey say say what's up to your mama and you know he get all high you, you never see him act like that but you know when the cameras come out and they show themselves and you know it's it's actually a fun experience and you know for me I'm glad that it happened because you know people got to see you know the hard work that we put in but also the fun that we have as teammates. Do you guys get to, together to watch the episodes together, or is it like something you just watch on your own? Uh, yeah, we pretty much watch. So we all watch the first episode in uh in the the dining 
the dining court, our little mm-hmm. uh, athlete dining court. We watched the first episode, and you know, people, you know, Snapchatting you, hitting you up on Twitter and stuff, and you know, hitting you up on Instagram, like, "Hey, I just saw you." <laughs> That's great. And I was like, "Yeah, man," you know. And, and like, kind of what you said about the personality stuff. I couldn't tell. Like this, by far, I think was the most like engaging a coaching staff and like a, the players reciprocating that. It's the most I've seen on all these stops. And like the coaches were making the players laugh and vice versa, and it's making me laugh, you know, on the sidelines. I couldn't tell if it's like just for the cameras or, or just for just because that's how the personality of this team is. But I figure it's probably a little mixture of both. Um. Well, you know, the the crazy thing is this is literally just how we are. Like our coaches, especially. You know, we got some coaches who are just straight characters, mm-hmm. and, you know, especially like Coach Barkley and Coach Shep. You know, they always making jokes and, you know, just messing around and stuff like that. So, I mean, it, it it's not all business with them sometimes. And you can tell that they actually love us and, and they engage with us and stuff like that, which is, you know, hard to find sometimes with, you know, a lot of coaches in, in this type of business because, you know, you move around so much. But, you know, these are just genuine guys, and they've given us a chance to – to see them in their pure form, and we've given them a chance to see us in our pure form. So, I mean, it's all good. Did you guys have to go through, like, any sort of media training? Like, did the coaches give you any ground rules about, like, what you can say when the cameras are on, or is it just kind of, you know, let it ride out there? That's that's, that's, see, that's the crazy part. You know, uh, Greg Brown was basically like, you know, have a little fun and, you know, give the cameras a show. So we was like, Okay, you know, and I mean, everybody around here pretty much understands what we're trying to do. So, you know, guys wouldn't do anything to hurt the program or hurt themselves or hurt their own brand. You get what I'm saying? So it's not necessarily guys just trying to act out. I mean, everybody knows what you can and can't say, but I felt like that was something that didn't even need to be discussed. Everybody pretty much knew. I feel you. Um, DJ, before we wrap up, one more question, because I I listened to our old conversation and uh, I'm curious as to how your uh, music take has evolved from the last summer to this. I asked last summer uh, what the album of 2017 was. Been a lot of hot music dropping this summer. I want to know uh, what's your favorite album or song uh, of this summer in 2018, and uh, we'll see if it aligns with what I've been listening to uh, lately here on the road. Uh, as of lately, albums. Uh, I don't even have my phone. Well, I can tell you right now, the latest one I've been listening to on repeat is probably Astro World. Right I was gonna now. say that's what I had written down. Yeah, Astro World's been good. I didn't get really a chance to listen until we were driving around this bus, but mm-hmm. I really liked it. it was, oh it was yeah, Astro World. Drake. I'm a big Drake fan. Oh yeah, I've been listening to the Drake. You know, he got a couple songs. I didn't. Yeah, I didn't think the album as a whole was like amazing, but like a couple songs. Yeah, like I'll say my the song got there's like two songs I listen to on the album and my favorite is probably After Dark okay you know cause, you know it got a nice little vibe to it but um, pretty much I've just been listening to singles and you know people just dropping you know little songs but Astroworld is probably the best right now alright well DJ it's been fun man uh, glad we can catch up again glad things have gone so well for you and the team in the last uh, 365 days ooh wait what ooh I'm sorry I'm sorry I don't know. Go ahead. Uh, uh, J. Cole. J. Cole? Oh, yeah. J. Cole guy? Yeah, J. Cole. J. Cole. I like J. Cole. I feel like I haven't heard his his stuff as much recently. Yeah. But uh, I might need to get on that again. And I'm glad that, you know, you had to get that in because you you got excited about that when (laughs) when it came to your mind. But uh, I'll let you go now, man. I I appreciate you sitting down with me. And like I said, uh, really impressive what you guys have built. And I wish you the best of luck in your senior year. Okay, thank you. Yeah. 
All right, thanks once again, DJ, for joining me. Had fun talking to him both years on the BTN bus tour. And now we'll send it up to Evanston, Illinois, for the wrap-up interview of the 2018 BTN Take 10 Podcast bus tour edition, where I spoke with Northwestern lineman Tommy Doles. And Tommy, uh, as you can hear in just a moment here, is a very bright dude. Had a lot to talk about, a lot to say, and uh, it was just very enjoyable sitting down with him and chopping it up. So we will get into that interview final interview of this year's bus tour with Northwestern's Tommy Doles. All right, very pleased to be joined on the last stop of the BTN bus tour in Evanston just after Northwestern football practice by Wildcats redshirt senior offensive lineman Tommy Doles. Tommy, what's up man? How's it going? Thanks for having me on. Absolutely. Glad to be here. Uh, glad you were suggested because, you know, you're, I've been watching some YouTube videos on you. You're a very, uh, very good speaker, you know, very sharp guy. So, should be fun here. Um, and I feel like every stop, just to start off, I always bring up like facilities because so many stops on the BTN bus tour, the first thing they do is show off these new facilities. And, and you know, I can't just sit here in this new facility at Northwestern and not bring it up, uh, you know, this beautiful venue you guys have. So just right off the bat, I'll ask, what was your reaction when they walked you into this lakefront facility for the first time? Yeah, I, I think my jaw dropped a little bit. Um, wow was probably my first reaction. And then it was gratitude, just thinking about the – Ryan's, Wilson, Slotnick's, all the different families that invested in us. You know, it's touching to know that we have a community and an administration that us and uh, is going to support us like this. So um, it, it was very impressive, though. Um, and I'm happy I got one year in it because it was under construction for a while. They had, um, it's really an engineering marvel, I guess. It's really, they drill into the bedrock with these caissons and prop this up almost on stilts because we're right on the water um so it took them a while to do it um but i got it for my fifth year so here we are yeah you just made the cut off and we're sitting in your uh brand new offensive line meeting room right now that's another thing for me like you know i'm doing these interviews and this year i've had more space to do them because all these facilities are open <laughs> across the big 10 so uh you know obviously it, it's beautiful in here but can you kind of compare it to what you had to deal with before you moved in here for your redshirt senior year yeah i, I think there's kind of two parts that I love about this new facility. The first is the views. <laughs> I think growing up in West Michigan, I always our family would go out to Lake Michigan, Holland, Grand Haven, and I loved Lake Michigan. And now it's something that I see every morning. And it used to be, you know, on special occasions I might come and try to watch the sunrise here, but now we see it every day eating breakfast during our lifts. So it's just an unmatched, unmatched location, but. The other thing is that it's very functional. Um, that's something that they really put a lot of time and effort into is making sure that it works well for us, that it is gonna help us pursue our goals. I think having more space, a smarter layout, we have our nutrition equipment, athletic training, meeting rooms, all in a very, um, in, in close proximity. So it, it works well. And the offensive line room, I, I think position meeting rooms are where football players spend maybe more time than anywhere else in their facilities so having these comfortable chairs nice projector plenty of space um it's great and you guys can like legit go out and do workouts on the beach i heard you guys this summer actually did some stuff on the beach right yeah yeah you walk right out the door and um guys would do some rehab work or you can just go and um, have some fun in the waves so that's the cool thing football college football as i'm in my last year i'm recognizing that the brotherhood the camaraderie is something that's it's probably the most special part of this whole experience so um, just having more spaces 
where we can enjoy each other's company and fellowship. Um, we've got the lake, got the beach, so go out there after a workout and have some fun. That's awesome. And they took us through uh, a tour earlier before practice, and you know, one of the things I noticed was the, the cafeteria and kind of the nutrition area. So you're, you're offensive lineman. You've got to keep your weight up. What's some of your favorite food that you have access to now in here? Ooh, I think the breakfast hash browns are so good. They're to die for, but um, great fruit. It's always so fresh. Um, and I, I love the staff that works here. I mean, the chef came up and asked me, hey, uh, any suggestions? What do you, give me a challenge. What should we make? And I'm like, how about some chicken enchilada? You think you can do that? And a couple weeks later, I've got this delicious chicken enchilada. Wow. So I, I think it's every day the food is delicious. Um, you know, Levy, Compass, they do a great job. And the staff. Um, I've gained some weight just in the new facility. I think credit a lot of that to the food that we've had. Um, yeah, it's delicious, and it helps us um, become better football players. Yeah, I might have to get a uh, to-go box on the way out of here. Yeah. We'll see. Uh, so we'll talk a little bit more Northwestern-specific stuff here in a little bit, but I also like to get into the backgrounds with you know these athletes that I uh, get to talk to at each stop. And we're going to start with you at the very beginning because uh, in your bio I saw you were born on Christmas Day. Is that right? That's right. All right. So I've always wondered with the Christmas Day babies, is it better for the whole like Christmas present situation? Because I've always kind of felt bad, you know. <laughs> For those kids that kind of have their birthdays around Christmas, that they kind of get all lumped in with the uh, gift situation there. Yeah, that's a great question. That's one of the first things people ask me. But I think I had it. I had the perfect situation because what we did in my family was we'd celebrate Christmas um, on the 25th, and you know, we're from a Christian family that means a lot to me. Um, I think it's just amazing what we celebrate that day. But then on June 25, my half birthday, that's when I'd celebrate my birthday. So I had. The presents perfectly <laughs> dispersed, um, and kind of had a fun day in the summer, but also could maybe get a cake or some small present on Christmas Day too. So um, it was probably the best of both worlds. Yeah, that's a, that's a pretty good solution <laughs> there. You get the half birthday uh, celebration, yeah. do it big. Um, all right, so you're coming up uh, as a kid. You grew up in Michigan, like you said, in Grand Rapids, and you come from a big time sports family, right? You're walking in today. Tell me about uh, your dad, and uh, I think you have some athletes in your family as well. So tell me. Uh, those sports connections about those and and what that's meant to you Uh, so I think the first most important connection is with my dad he's the um, sports director for the NBC affiliate in West Michigan Wood TV 8 Jack Doles News 8 you might know him as in West Michigan but um so I grew up around sports um, grew up loving sports and not just the fact that they were fun to play but also one thing my dad did was highlight stories that show the impact that sports can have on lives, communities, and on society. And so I think I saw the value of sports for um, bringing communities together and for teaching character lessons. And I, I kind of got a big view of sports and what they can do. And then I also um, have some relatives who played, aunts played D1 volleyball. Um, my older cousin Kyle played offensive line at Iowa State so when I was in I think middle school I was watching him and really looked up to him and saw college football from that angle and I think that's one of the things that made me really want to play college football someday. Awesome yeah and it should be no surprise then that you've ended up here um, but maybe you know for a Michigan kid you, you see a lot of those guys go to their state schools. so how does a kid from Grand Rapids who would go on to be you know an all Big Ten offensive lineman like yourself uh, get out from under the nose of Michigan and MSU and end up here in Evanston. 
Yeah, and so Michigan was my first offer, and um, obviously it's a storied institution with great great people there. Um, but it was early in the recruiting process, and for me, before I really wanted to play college football, I was dreaming of going to one of the surface academies. Um, so I wasn't ready to just commit right away because I was still trying to figure out, well, do I want to go to West Point, Navy, Air Force? And so I kept my recruiting process open and um, eventually got a, narrowed it down to Army, uh, Michigan, and Northwestern. And I think just being able to step back and look at what really matters to me in my experience, um, getting great advice from my dad, my family, other guys who have played college football, um, realizing that it's about the people, it's about what um, this experience can do for the rest of your life. So seeing Northwestern, the proximity to Chicago, the academics and the way that that sets you up and connects you to an amazing network. Um, and also Coach Fitz, the guys on the team. I was really drawn to the culture here. My dad's from the Chicago land, so I had some family here. So it still felt like I was close to home. And because, yeah, it's tough. I think a lot of people in Michigan, West Michigan, um, will either go to a smaller school or if they can go D1, they want to stay home. But um, it, I think it broadened my horizons, and I have no regrets about coming here. Yeah, and you mentioned the academics. Uh, I know academics is a big focus of yours. You're, you're a political science major, correct? Mm-hmm. Um, How did you become interested in that field? I know you, you just talked about your interest in service academies, mm-hmm. but what do you want to do with that degree um, after football, after your career is over? Yeah, so I, I came into college with kind of a broad interest in history, government, international affairs, and um, saw that political science was a way that I could kind of combine my love for those things into um, an academic discipline. And I really have come to be passionate about the things I've been studying and um, just looking at international security structures and situations. And um, I, I could talk about that stuff all day, but I, so yeah, so I graduated um, with my undergrad degree in June, and then I'm going to be starting my master's in Kellogg, Northwestern's mm-hmm. business school. And um, that's going to be putting a kind of a business wrapping around my undergrad studies. And even though I didn't go to Northwestern, my dream has always been to go to officer candidate school with the Army. So at least tentatively, the plan is to play football as long as I can. Um, and then after that, attend Army officer school, serve as an officer in the Army, using the things I've learned about um, international security structures and um, power, politics, and um, serving for a while in that capacity. Also, I'm drawn to that just because of the leadership aspect and being able to invest in younger soldiers and um, be a part of something bigger than myself. I love being a part of a team. Um, After that, a few things could happen. I could see myself going to law school, interest in politics, or... Another road would be um, seminary and Christian ministry. So we'll cross that bridge when we come to it, but I think I know the next few steps. Sounds like you got a lot of great options, yeah, yeah. and that's uh, definitely um, you know, an admirable pursuit that you're uh, taking on here. I don't know if you heard about a player at Minnesota, a walk-on, who received a scholarship uh, in the last couple of weeks by Navy SEALs parachuting into Minnesota Stadium. Wow. I talked to him for the wow. podcast uh, last week. So, cool. you know, talking about, um, you know, your service aspirations around me of my discussion with him, but I didn't know if you'd seen that. Oh. It was really cool. They legit parachuted into uh, the stadium after practice, delivered his scholarship, and that's how he found out. Wow, so, that's pretty cool. Yeah, that's that's uh, 
I feel like P.J. Fleck at Minnesota, the coach there, has a lot of similar tendencies to Coach Fitz here as far as, like, you know, taking care of his players and stuff like that. Mm. So it just reminded me of uh, hmm. something that could, you know, appeal to you a little yeah. bit. But um, another interest of yours that I saw when I was doing some research is uh, you're a big reader, right? Yeah, so yeah. you have a lot of books. There's a video that was done on you. you got a big bookshelf. Uh, mm. Tell me about some of your favorite books, some of the classics that you like to read. Oh, yeah. I, I love to read. I think you can broaden your horizons so much. And uh, there's so much to learn that I try to mix it up. I read mostly nonfiction. Um, try to throw in a fiction book every once in a while. I'm reading a book called All the Light We Cannot See Right Now. I've heard of that so, one. You've heard of it? Yeah, it's yeah. a great one. It's pretty popular right now. It follows um, two young people during World War II. And, um, but no, I, I read kind of a mix between um, politics, memoir, um, Christian apologetics, kind of a mix. Um, read a book called Just Mercy by Brian Stevenson. Um, that was a great one. The Locust Effect by Gary Haugen that looks at modern-day slavery and human trafficking and um, some of the efforts to stop it. So I feel like every time I read, um, I grow a little bit. I also love learning from the stories of others because I think so many people have um, lived their lives and had these experiences and... I think it's wise to try to learn from people who have gone before us. I read um, Colin Powell's memoir, It Worked For Me, and um, found some of his lessons in leadership. And Because, um, you know, life is short, and there are some experiences that maybe we won't have, but we can learn from other people who did. So you got any recommendations, definitely let me know I, afterwards. I was going to ask uh, <laughs> if you've read... I think my favorite political book, 1984. You read that one? Oh, Orwell. I, some of it. I, I, okay. It's on my shelf. I should read the whole thing. It's, just, it's a small book, so it shouldn't take yeah. you that long if you ever get to it. But it's yeah. one of my favorites that I can remember reading from high school. I don't read as much as I should now. I need to like mm-hmm. get on the uh, the grind like you. But it's just been coming up a lot lately for uh, you know political reasons, and it's one that I yeah. highly recommend. So yeah. that's a good one. Um, all right, Tommy, we'll wrap up with some football-related questions, probably mm-hmm. just one or two here, uh, so you can get out of here. But I definitely have to ask, uh, with expectations here at Northwestern being what they are, you know, you guys have been very successful as of late, and uh, you guys are still, you know, kind of slept on, I think, with Wisconsin getting to the Big Ten Championship game um, the last several years here. So do you guys feel like that on the ground here, that you guys are being slept on, maybe in the national media, in the Big Ten uh, just what's what's your take on your guys' standing in the West division here? I think one of the things about our program and in our team is that we believe in our our ability um, to achieve what we want to through hard work and through discipline, and we believe that we can focus on ourselves and doing what we need to do, and that maybe it's not so productive for us to look outside of us and. Um, the reality is we haven't won the West um, <clears throat> in my time here, and that's our goal. So um, I don't think it matters too much what to us what people are saying before the season. Um, to us, it's about the work that we put in so that we can win the West. And when that happens, um, then we can talk about that conversation more. All right, we'll wrap up with one more question because we're uh, in a little bit of a unique situation here with you guys. You're opening with Purdue in mm-hmm. like a week here. How is the prep? leading into your first game and different with a Big Ten opponent and a pretty good Big Ten opponent mm-hmm. right off the bat here. Yeah, I, I think 
people are excited to play a Big Ten West football game. Um, you know, people come here to play in the Big Ten Conference, and all of our games, the non-conference games, matter. Um, but there's a little extra edge that you have when you're playing in your conference. So um, I just think there's been an extra enthusiasm. And Purdue's a great team, well-coached. They played so hard last year. We could um, notice an amazing difference um, just in what – um, they've been able to do in the past year, so I'm sure they've continued that trend and getting better. So um, we've got a lot of respect for them. and um, But, yeah, we've been putting in the work, and we're excited to go. Sounds good. All right, Tommy, that's all I got for you. I really appreciate you uh, sitting down and giving me a very insightful discussion here. Obviously, wish you the best of luck going forward, and uh, enjoy your senior year, man. Sounds good. Thank you very much. Yep. All right, one more thank you. Shout-out to Mo. Parker, Justice, DJ, and Tommy for joining me. A lot of fun talking to them and talking to all the athletes this year on the BTN bus tour. And, um, you know, I hope you guys enjoyed it as much as I did. It was a great time. And I hope you guys are as ready for football season as I am because it is here. And this kind of, like I said at the top, puts a bow in the off season, and it's time to, to get into the, uh, the real thing. So looking forward to that. Looking forward to following along with you guys all season long. I'll try and bringing some great guests to evaluate what we see as we move along here in the football season. We'll bring back Stat Head segment with Harold Shelton as we had last year, and it should be a great time. So stay tuned. Um, check out the previous episodes of the Take 10 Podcast if you haven't already. And a shout-out, special shout-out to Wes White and Julie Bronder, who's been producing the show lately as well. Uh, fantastic producers here at BTN. And we'll keep it moving as we get into the Big Ten football season starting Thursday. Thanks as always for listening, and we'll talk to you next time here on the Take 10 Podcast.